pushing each other around, you're joking at each other, you're biting at each other. It is fundamental to the relationship of masculine and feminine that they play. Slept together in the same bed and cuddled. No sex. She calls herself a demisexual. But to create the fire romance, there must be a spark. Right? And we spark by teasing, by testing, by challenging. <laughs> Welcome, my friends, to today's session on demisexuality and the playfulness between masculine and feminine energy. I've got an Instagram DM sent to me actually two months ago. However, I'm only just getting to it now, so let's dive in. Hey, Adam, I'm a 32-year-old American guy, and I found myself in a seemingly loving relationship with a disconnect in playfulness. She's closing in on 40, but looks like a 25-year-old bombshell. It's not that we're not into each other. We very much are. We have held hands, kissed, slept together in the same bed, and cuddled. No sex. She calls herself a demisexual. And texting has been very healthy, texting every day, falling asleep, and woke up together on FaceTime. We are very close. She has shared her most intimate and vulnerable life experiences with me, things she has never shared with others. She even jokingly calls me her husband, and she, my wife. By nature, she is a very playful girl. I know that by how she acts with her friends and people, she's very close to, even strangers, but she rarely is with me. Our interactions are always more serious and deep, but rarely is there just joking around and childlike giggles or laughter you'd expect from two so close. I'm playful and jovial by nature, and I've been trying to be more playful, hoping that this might get her to open up. Minor improvement. It's almost like she is abstaining from being playful. In December, we are taking a trip to the New Orleans for my birthday. I'm worried that without the fun and release that comes with being playful with one another, the trip and our future relationship may fizzle out or become boring. I'm asking if you can shed light on the matter because I'm honestly at a loss. And if possible, your thoughts on playfulness between the masculine and the feminine. Thank you again for all your content. It is truly invaluable. Apologies for the long ass message. No worries, X. No problem at all. And I thank you very much for sending that in. And so let's just start off this podcast very tactically as to what is a demisexual. I'm first going to give you my understanding of it, and then I'm going to give you a literal definition from Wikipedia, etc. And I'm doing this to paint a particular lesson and understanding. So, a demisexual, in my opinion, is someone that does not allow themselves to feel the lights of sexual attraction, be it physical, mental, or spiritual, until a bond of emotional closeness has been connected. Now let's get the literal definition. According to Wikipedia, demisexuality is a sexual orientation in which an individual does not experience primary sexual attraction, type of attraction that is based on immediately observable characteristics, such as appearance or smell, and is experienced immediately after a first encounter. Demisexuality, according to the Cleveland Clinic, is a sexual orientation in which a person feels sexually attracted to someone only after they've developed a close bond emotionally. If you look at those two different things, if you weren't careful about it, what you heard me say actually sounds relatively analogous to what you just heard the literal definition of. But actually, there is a fundamental difference. And this is where I might ruffle a few feathers. This is probably where a lot of you are going to disagree with me if you are a demisexual. But please hear me out first before you get the pitchforks out. So I believe that when I said demisexuality is when someone does not allow themselves to feel sexual attraction. That's a big difference between what Wikipedia is saying. What Wikipedia is saying and the literal definition is that demisexuals have no choice. That it's not a choice. That it's just physical, mental, spiritual attraction does not turn on. Even if they wanted it to, it will not turn on until emotional closeness has been established. I personally do not agree with that. I disagree with that as a fundamental concept because I believe that maybe there is an outlier here or there. Okay, I'll say for that. But for the general population as most human beings do experience, as biological beings, evolutionarily developed beings, that sexual reproduction is our primary purpose, right? Just from looking at the biological mechanic, that our bodies and our entire development as human beings, the systems that exist within us, exist so that 
we can cultivate strong genes in order to perpetuate those genes into the future. So sexual reproduction and feeling those triggers, being attracted to the primary characteristics as Wikipedia described, physically, smell, etc., and more what I would break down to physical, mental, spiritual. I think it's impossible, if not impossible, so unlikely, so rare that a human being would not have those switches triggered unconsciously, subconsciously, without any control whatsoever. What I'm trying to say here is that you walk down the street, man walks down the street, sees woman, and immediately starts to characterize what he is attracted to her about, at least on a physical level. Let's say he goes up to her. Now we get to see how she talks, see how she frameworks the world, see what her beliefs are like. So now we can start to bring in the mental attraction. And then maybe as you go out onto a date together, a few more dates down, and you get really close, you get under the moon and stars, you get down on the sand, and you start to breathe together, start to get into the hearts and hearts of each other in which that a spiritual attraction may be formed. Spiritual attraction, that which cannot be described by words. A bond that science is yet to be able to describe. Maybe one day will, but so far cannot. The spiritual essence of human beings, the connection of oneself to another, and maybe joining something very eternal. Pausing the philosophy there, or the esoterics there. For a human being to have those programs missing, for those to not be present, I think it's, okay, it's, it's possible. I can never say it's impossible, but it's so implausible. It's so unlikely. It's so rare that what seems more plausible and more likely to me is that if someone is identifying as a demisexual, what they're actually saying is that as a coping mechanism, I will not allow myself to become sexually attracted until emotional closeness and connection has been formed. That feels a lot better to me because that is actually what I've experienced as a coach of social dynamics experienced this quite regularly actually i've experienced it myself personally in which that as a result of trauma in the past you know you have that unresolved pain from unresolved trauma that just bleeds on into your patterns as a human being throughout life that because you've been hurt before been cheated on before abused before mistrust placed expectations dashed etc etc just taken advantage of used that you set up Initially, conscious control, but then as a result of patterns, they then become subconscious. These controls in which that a certain criteria of behavior must be met before you allow sexual attraction to be engaged. It's not that you don't recognize that this person is an attractive being physically, that you you can see that by their facial structure, that they have a strong jaw, right? they have symmetrical face lines, that they aren't presenting with uh, disease, Right? And that this is actually all building into physical attraction, that their body proportions, that the proportion of functional to non-functional functional mass, right, the strength of their the strengths of their capabilities, et cetera, et cetera. It goes on and on and on. Right. And so even just down to the very, very primal, like of strong, wide birth giving hips to large breasts that would signify a woman's ability to be able to feed and nourish your offspring, etc. It goes on and on. These are things that are relatively undeniable. I would think even almost impossible to deny. I'm just being careful with those words, but you're really getting my sentiment there. So for someone to say that they can ignore, it's not even that they can ignore those things. It's that they, they don't even exist, that those programs don't exist. That doesn't seem right to me. It just doesn't seem right. And I'm more than willing to have them back and forth with someone who is demisexual. And I will even go a step further and say that 
I can see a situation in which that someone who identifies as being demisexual could do so from such subconscious programming that it is as if they experience life that way. So while it may not be literally true that the programs of sexual attraction do not ignite on the primary in terms of first meet, that because of their unresolved pain and because of the trauma that they've now formed this coping mechanism as a result as, and they're having to protect themselves from, that they've performed the mental frameworks, the mental trickery within their minds to act as if that is what is happening anyway. So I can see that being an example. I can see someone who's so confirmed in their belief that now this is just their worldview. For example, if you, to draw this out to a different example, that's pretty relevant right now, which is if you were so bought on a certain medical intervention being safe and effective, yet all the evidence coming out and even mainstream media reporting on the fact that this medical intervention was not safe and not effective that, and all the evidence that would back that up, but you still chose to believe it anyway. It's there. I can see a state, I can see a person in which that's so confirmed in their belief that they will go down with the ship, not realizing that the ship is in fact going down because that is just the way that they perceive reality. That's their truth. So to wrap this up here on the whole demisexuality thing, I think demisexuality is more of a coping mechanism. I think it's a pattern of behavior that is installed uh, rightfully so as well for those that have yet to have resolved the trauma. Yeah, it's. I'm not trying to flame the person, uh, this girl in this particular story for... Uh, adorning and adopting this particular pattern of behavior. Right? People do it in this particular psychological mechanism, do it in many other ways, plethora of way. You know, for example, just to take it off the demisexuality, I see this very regularly with masculine beings. This podcast is brought to you by boldojo.com where you can book one-on-one coaching with myself in order to create action plans, overcome limiting beliefs, destroy negative self-perceptions and egoic attachments. Have a listening ear to the trials of your life helping you to move forward. You can also sign up for the free weekly email newsletter, The Bowl Sip. It's just a quick sip of social dynamics and anything I'm exploring on Fridays. Just go to boldojo.com, sign that up. You can also hit up the free resources of wisdom where I drop my favorite books, movies, quotes, anime, documentaries, music, all of that, all at boldojo.com. And if you would like to help support this podcast, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash A-D-A-M-O-O-I. Link is down below in the description or you can also donate directly through the website, also linked down in the description. Anything that you guys do donate is always extremely appreciated and just goes back to helping support the show and what I do here. So thank you very much. And if you do get anything from this piece of content, please let me know in a comment down below. I'll do my best to get back to you as soon as possible. And also please drop a thumbs up on the video. It just helps the YouTube algorithm, helps send out the video to more people in the community. And if you find that you resonated, share it with a friend who you think would resonate as well. Let's get into today's show. I see this very regularly with masculine beings in which that they have been abused by a feminine being in a sexual space. You know, if they felt like they were used, if they felt like they were not seen emotionally, not understood as a human being, that they were being yeah, effectively utilized as a sex pump, as just a way to get off, right? And whatever, the, I'm not saying there's no responsibility from the man entering that particular style of relationship or that, not style of relationship, sorry, for entering a relationship with that person who's going to use that style of behavior. You know, for example, like say you've got a disillusioned guy, maybe he's just had a really rough breakup or maybe he's very little sexual experience at all. Goes out with his mates on the town one night, you know, finds a girl who's, who's just looking to settle her demons, looking for a girl that was in a lot of pain herself. And he just happened to come across her and she was going to use sex as a mask. She's going to use sex to save her. And he was hoping sex would save him. And so they enter this, what well, seems like 
maybe on paper, I'm not even sure if you can really make this jump. It seems like there might be some benevolence to that, you know, to people who are broken trying to see what I'm saying there. I was going to say trying to fix each other, but they're really not. They're trying to mask their pain and that's not fixing anything. But anyways, okay, let's get me on that because I can't really save that situation. But you got those two people coming together and the guy, but from fundamentally two different positions where the girl was coming because let's say that her dad had abandoned her. And so now she's going to get validation from masculine beings through sex. Okay, so she's masking over her pain, but then you've got a guy who has just been, let's say he's been cheated on or has been deeply abused, deeply betrayed by a feminine being. And now he's deeply emotionally wounded. So he's going out because he needs someone to love him because he does not have that love for himself. So these two meet, they get into a sexual interaction, clothes come off, penetration starts to happen. And let's just say the night goes on. Let's say that the actual sex itself was neither here nor there. Maybe it was okay. Maybe it wasn't, but it certainly wasn't spectacular. It certainly wasn't enlightening. It certainly wasn't a release of this concept of self and time in which to enjoy a full obliteration into the eternity of oneness. It certainly wasn't that. But suffice to, suffice to say that the young male or the male in question had felt like this was reasonable. No one was hurt ostensibly. But then as he goes to turn over for the night, the girl turns up to go get up and leave and get her car keys and put her clothes on and say, oh, thanks very much. I'll see you later. Or you can leave now, asking him to leave. And he goes, hang on, what? Am I really that disposable to you? Am I really just this piece of trash that, you know, it was like a, like a juice from the local pit stop and you just throw in the bottle out? Is that what it was? You just needed a drink and that's it? Because he didn't come in thinking that this was going to be a one night stand or a one night transaction. He thought he had found a girl that because she was so loving before at the club, yeah, she, she was showing him like the eyes, the comfort, that, that, that love, if you will. But was it love or was he maybe being a little too generous in his perception of what love is because he's so deeply emotionally wounded. So just any girl that was willing to look him in the eyes, give him a smile, let him touch her, have her touch him, going both ways there, of course, that that was enough for him to enter this now intimate space again. Maybe his social filters Right, the filtering lenses through why someone and what their motivation would be for entering this particular sexual space. Maybe that filter was particularly broken or malfunctioning at that time because of his emotional wounds. So he could not see the fact that this girl was actually just out to mask over her pain. He couldn't see the signs of her rushing the sexuality. He couldn't see the signs of her not really endeavoring to understand his emotional position, etc., etc. And so he has found himself in a rude awakening feeling hurt again, even more hurt. So just a, a continuation of the cycle of pain here. And so after this experience, he walks away going, driving that car home. I don't think I'm ever going to allow another person to get close to me. I'm never going to allow myself to get even, so there's that. So that's probably the initial reaction. But let's say he sleeps on it because he's very emotionally charged at that time. He sleeps on it. He wakes up the next morning and maybe a couple of weeks goes by and you know goes back to his daily life of things. And then he forms a new position saying, okay, I feel like I would like to have human connection, human closeness, maybe listens to a few podcasts, does some good meditation. It's like, I want to have some closeness, but I can't allow myself to get attracted to them 
to the point in which that I'm willing to have sex with them before I get confirmation of that emotional connection. And so demisexuality is born in which that now, well, hang on, that's the seeds of it. And then if you were to imagine someone over a lifetime of you, because what did we just describe? What we just described, if someone says that I won't allow myself to be physically attracted, mentally, spiritually, I will not allow myself to be sexually attracted as the overall umbrella there to someone until I get a confirmation of emotional connection and emotional closeness. That's a coping mechanism. They're coping with the fact that they have been hurt before and they do not want that to happen again. They are protecting against what has happened once before, applying a protection mechanism, a filter to all their future interactions, which of course inherently has many, many issues, right? It robs them of the joy of now. It robs them of the presence of the human being they're with now. They are applying what is no longer to what now is. It is unfair to the person in front of them. It serves a purpose, yes, but to what extent, to what degree does it hurt that purpose in the end? That's a big question, isn't it? A question one to ponder. So moving beyond that though, as I was saying, that's the seed of this demisexuality being born. And then if it was to progress, and let's say you, that person gets five years down their life, they say they're 30 now, then they're 35, then they're 40, and they've continued to double down on this mechanism, I can see how that would become a fully formed identity in which that it's so well-trained, so well-laid in their subconscious that now I just don't even feel physical, mental, spiritual attraction towards anyone until I get very, very close to them. So this is me painting towards painting you towards what I said earlier in the podcast about how I can see how someone, as a result of having cemented in their coping mechanism, their protection mechanism, that it would become their perception of reality in which that they would feel it's true. And so I guess in one way, yes, demisexuality has some real credence to it. It has some real credibility to it. And when someone would say that, no, I'm really telling you, madam, I'm really telling you, I just do not feel that sexual attraction until that bond is formed. Okay, I would like to look at your history. I would like to look at how you got there. I think that's more important is how you got there because that is going, what is going to be your path forward, essentially. It's okay for us to let go of this pain you had once gone through. It's okay to heal this trauma and to move on beyond it and to realize that actually an open heart is much better than a closed one, right? An open heart that is not prejudiced or that is not filtering into such an arbitrary level, such a high and secure arbitrary level of closeness, whatever that means. Closeness, emotional bond, it's like, that's, what, that's another problem is that it's so arbitrary. It's like, particularly for you, X, and we're going to get more to your situation soon. But particularly in your story, X, you've already said that you guys have, it's not that you're not into each other, that you're already actually very close, that you hold hands, that you kiss, that you kiss and that you sleep in the same bed, that you cuddle, yet you do not have sex. So now we need to get to something else here. You say that you don't have sex, X, However, I would like to drill down into that. What does that actually mean? I think what you're actually saying is that you don't have penetration. Because what you've described there to me is intimacy. And without even getting into the spiritual realm of what that means, sex happens, in quotes, sex happens, the dance of masculine to feminine energy, which is in large my definition of what sex is. That happens... From the moment you two look eyes, lock eyes together. The moment a man and woman lock eyes together, the dance begins. How far it progresses, to the pace, 
to the mutual comfortability we'll be seen. But no doubt, sex begins the moment you look at someone and it can be snuffed out in a moment or it can be allowed and uh, nurtured into something truly wonderful that would allow love to be born as well. But sex, sex and sexual penetration are two actually, in my mind, two different things. You have to really make a separation there. Uh, the actual act of penetrating another human being does not require love, does not require care, and does not really require an honoring of the masculine and feminine dynamic. Anyone can do it. But to see someone, to understand someone, to have intimacy with someone, there must be a dance of masculine and feminine energy. So, and in laden within that concept, there must be an understanding of that I am sexually attracted to that person, whether it be operating on one of the three planes, physical, mental, or spiritual. So I'm building a pretty strong case here. Building a very strong case here, I would say, actually, X, that the woman that you're with, that you two are already having sex, and that she is in a place of denial. There is something of a denial happening here when you say that she does not act this way with her friends in terms of her abstaining from a playful feminine energy with your masculine. You say that you are jovial and playful by nature and you've been trying to be more, more playful, hoping that this might help her to open up. See, even right there, X, I think you are understanding a little of what I'm explaining here. The fact that you even are framing this as attempting to open her up infers that she is closed. Why would she be closed? Yeah, don't worry. At the end of this podcast, because why now we're fleshing out everything, but by the end of today's podcast, we will get to a remedy. We will get to what I believe you should do moving forward, but we need to understand all this framework first. And in understanding all this framework first, that is a fundamental realization for us to hammer into that you have already ascertained that she is closed because you've given evidence as well that she is not this way of everyone else. If she is playful and jovial and fun by nature with everyone else but you, what that speaks to me is that there is unresolved pain. There is an unresolved traumatic event in her life that has spurred on pain, that has formed a wound, that has formed a hurt locker that is yet to be healed and cleaned out. So we can make things very simple right now, actually. Actually, let's fuck it. Let's get straight to it. So if we can, I am concretely saying to you, X, I'm not even, it's pretty hard for me in a podcast from a random stranger across the world. I have no idea who you are. I've never met you before and you've never met me before. But for me to say to you that I'm actually very concrete in what I'm about to say. And it's this, that a conversation needs to happen between you and her that has her open up about what her unresolved pain and trauma is. If you wish to proceed in a relationship that gets not only moved forward, but closer together, you need to understand her. And in order to understand her, she needs to be truthful and honest with you, not only herself, but of, of herself first, of course, but with you. How can a man service his woman if she will not allow him in? How can a man, how can a man become the vessel for a woman if she will not fill that vessel? If she will not allow the goodness of her spirit to flow inwards? You see what I'm saying here? This is less about you trying to, in quotes, fix her. That is never the mentality as a masculine being. It is not our role to fix a feminine being. And we would never view someone, even just someone who identifies. I'm not even saying that someone that is a demisexual, identifies as demisexual, needs to be fixed. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that there's likely unresolved pain or trauma within, and that needs to be fixed. Not the human being themselves, but the human being's perception, 
their understanding of what that pain was, whatever beliefs they've formed as a result of that pain. You know, that's all stuff that can be healed. That's all stuff that can be alchemized into light. As a mass human being, it is certainly our role to foster the process of alchemization from darkness into light. It's a human principle in general, actually. It's not something, it's, but it's something for sure. You, X, as a masculine being, can help uh, facilitate. So that's, that's, I said we'll get to the remedy eventually, but that is, the, that, that is the remedy. We're in the remedy right now. So let's continue on. Because there really is no more ruminization required here. Let's just get straight to it. So if I'm UX, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the structure and you can fill in the blanks as to your own specifics and demonstrate that you've learned the lessons here. So, taking into account that you sent this message quite a while ago and that you were going to go, go, you were going to go away on a birthday trip, I don't know what's happened since then. It's been roughly a, probably about a month as of me recording this since, you sent, since that event has supposed to have happened. But let's say that hasn't happened and that you can, obviously we're going back in time, but- you can apply whatever I'm about to say and just adjust for whatever new information I am not aware of has transpired, okay? So, because this principle would apply at any stage of the relationship to anyone, an open and direct conversation with the person in question, you and this woman. So, I'd be setting up for, number one, setting the environment in which that we're going to agree to meet at a mutually amicable time, an environment that's low energetic. So, not in her bedroom, not in your bedroom, right? Not at a loud cafe or nightclub, but preferably somewhere in nature, right? I get it if it's winter and it's hard to get outside on your side of the world because I believe it is right now, right? But even if you can just find a, a, a location in which that it's isolated, there's not a lot of blaring music and other conversations happening around you, do your best. You can find somewhere, do your best to get a low energetic noise environment. Cool, set up that time and environment. The way that we look at that is, hey, excuse me, uh, <laughs> excuse me, hey, Jenna, Fake name Jenna, of course. Hey, Jenna, seeing that taste, I'd love to talk to you about our relationship. I'd love to discuss our relationship with you. Does Friday, Saturday at X time location work well for you? If not, et cetera. So set up the environment, okay? Reason for this is that we don't want anything to interrupt the signal. We know as little noise as possible. Part two, step two. Once you're actually in the conversation with her, number one, acknowledge her. Always acknowledge the person first, which is just to show them that you can see them. You see them as a human being that... You know, I see you for who you are. I love you. Even if you're not in love with her, I love you can be extended to anyone. Your mother, your brother, a girl that you're in an open relationship with, a colleague, a friend, university. You know, it's, I love you should be something that everyone is well-practiced in delivering. If you haven't said I love you to someone recently, stop this podcast right now and go say it to the person next to you. Like actually, just... I'll be here. I'll be here. This session will be here for you. Stop the podcast and go look at the person next to you and say, hey, hey, just one second. just want to say that I love you. I love you does not inherently have to communicate senses of romance, does not have to inherently communicate the sense of a deep, a deep sexual bond that will permeate throughout the rest of your life. I love you is I see you as well. I love you as a human being. So in this principle, Acknowledging someone that I see you for who you are, I love you, and that I appreciate you. Pause it there. Pause it there. Let them sit. Let them drink. They might get it. They might not get it. They might return it. They might not return it. Doesn't matter. Just let them absorb it. Once they've absorbed it, stage three. Ground rules. The rules for the conversation. Okay, just before we begin, I just want to set some ground rules just so we don't get confused or make assumptions in today's conversation. 
that I need you to hear me fully first, then I want to hear you fully afterwards. Can we agree to that? She agrees to it? Cool. Done. We do this at the beginning of the conversation so that later on in the conversation, if things get heated, and this again, this conversation framework, which is something that I developed myself for having open and direct conversations, applies to anything, conflict, romance, etc. doesn't matter. We set this ground rule now so that later on in the conversation, if things get heated, that that person, when they start interrupting and you say, hey, hang on a second, let me finish, that you already set this principle at the beginning of the conversation. So it's not like a power grab. It won't be perceived as a power grab. They, and they will likely, if they're a good person, they want to honor their word and say, oh, yeah, shit, I'm sorry, I forgot. Okay, continue. Because you already set this principle. Great. Once they've agreed to that, do not continue on until they do agree to it. Once confirmed, continue. Stage three, we've had set up environment, acknowledge, ground rules, so really stage four, but you know, of the conversation. Here we go. Your intent. So in your intent in this conversation X, you need to establish to her what it is, which is that primarily it should be, and I'm just going to put myself in your shoes as if I was faced with a woman that is presenting exactly as she's presenting for you. I would say that my intent of the beginning is to understand you. Fake name, Jenna. Jenna, I just want to understand you better. This is what I've noticed. This is what I've observed. In your day-to-day life, you're very fun and playful and very jovial with your friends and you're always looking to have a good time in that way, funny, flirtatious in a way, you know, et cetera, whatever words you want to apply there. But playful by nature. However, when you're with me, it seems like that gear does not exist. It seems that it's only deep and serious. And I would just like to understand why this is. Because this is how it makes me feel. It makes me feel as if, and now I'm going to have to make a few things up, X, because I don't know how it makes you feel. But I would know that if it was me in that situation, it would make me feel like there's something that I've done to give you warning to not get sexually close, romantically close. There's something about me that you don't like in that particular way, that you don't see in that particular way. And it makes me feel very confused. It makes me feel very doubting about myself, about this relationship. And I don't want any of these demons to fester. So my intent here is to understand you so that you can understand me better. And then we can decide on where this relationship's going to go. Pause it right there. Pause it right there. That is a, that's an absolute ripper. That is an absolute ripper of a way to describe that. It's empathetic. It's direct, congruent, authentic with empathy. Our four principles. Bloody oath. <laughs> so once you've, and just noticing how concise that was as well. When you deliver your intent, it should not be an essay. Like look at the th- three things really that I just went through there, which was want to understand you. This is what you do. This is how it makes me feel, right? That's really the three things there. And you can obviously add in a few things to beef up the demonstration of that as I went through, but it's really three things going on there and delivered within, you know, no less than a paragraph. maybe two paragraphs at most. So be concise, be direct about it, then shut up. Moving into step five, if you will here, the next step, hear her fully, hear them fully. Now you invite them. Now I want to hear everything you have to say. Let them exhaust themselves, empty the tank as I describe it as. Because oftentimes as you describe to someone a confronting piece of information, their ego defense system will be ignited. Now we do our best and we did our best at the beginning of the conversation to get them emotionally on side, to get their egos on side with our ego by acknowledging them. That's for the purpose of the acknowledgement at the beginning. When I say that I see you, I appreciate you and I love you. Sincerely, genuinely. 
that is what primes their ego to be open to receiving the information. So that hopefully when it gets to this stage, they are more willing to open up. But then again, some people, and depending on the nature of the conversation, that emotional priming won't be enough and that their ego will still get inflamed anyway. So be prepared that their first response is going to be inflammatory. It's going to be either inaccurate, it's going to be diminishing of you. It might be something very confronting towards you. It might be an attack on you. Let it, let it run. Let them express everything, no matter how crazy, insane, or offensive, or inflammatory what they say is, let it go. Just let it roll. Acknowledge that this is the ego's first response, and the ego's first response is always defensive. When they have exhausted themselves and emptied that tank, then it is profit for you to ask, is there anything else? I hear you. I hear everything you said. Is there anything else you'd like to say? And when met with a non-responsive, with a non-inflammatory response, the ego can finally take a rest. If an ego, if an, if her ego, for example, upon hearing your information said and your intent said, that's definitely not the case. You're getting it all wrong. It's just that because then, yeah, I feel like you're actually attacking me because I've had these experiences, et cetera. And there was a thing comes out and then just, this is not the way. And it's like, this is the way I like to be, and et cetera, et cetera. And it's just a complete denial of everything that you're saying. And you go, okay, I totally hear what you're saying. Now, is there anything else? And particularly if she had thrown some superlatives in there or some subjectives in there, which were not particularly favorable of you. For you to respond with kindness, with calmness, with peace, equanimity, compassion, that allows their ego to put down the spears and to realize I don't have to defend myself here. He really is staying true to his word. He really is just to hear me, hear me out, understand me, move us forward and closer together. Okay, maybe I can just be a little more vulnerable here. Okay, so, well, maybe the reason why you feel like I'm not as romantically connected with you or fun or playful with you is because the last time that happened, you know, things went bad. And you go, okay, what do you mean by that? What do you mean last time things went bad? And so now, ooh, ooh, now the truth is coming out. Maybe, maybe something you never heard comes out at that point. And maybe something you never could have heard can come out at that point because you allow their ego to exhaust themselves. And now you get to the truth of who they are. This is how social dynamics works. It's how emotional leadership works. You have to be willing to go through a bit of fire in order to get through to the other side. Be willing to guide people. Be willing to be a source of groundedness yourself. For when people do not believe in themselves, surely you could demonstrate that they may believe in you, to believe in the you that believes in them. Shout out to anyone who knows that quote from Kamina. And I'm just trying to remember the name of the anime, actually. <laughs> it's funny how I remember the name of the actor, but not even the name of the anime. I'm sure one of you remind me in the comments. Anyway, it will derive the podcast. Believe in the me that believes in you when you do not believe in yourself should be the mindset when you are in a difficult conversation with someone who is clearly coming up against walls. It's okay if you don't believe me right now. Just believe in the me that believes in you. So, continuing on. The way that this conversation ends will be an organic ending, which I cannot give you. But what is often the case, 99% of the time, if that you reach this part of the conversation, that an organic remedy will appear, that you will have been brought forward and closer together, forged through fire, forged through discomfort to come out into a new level of comfort, 
to have breached your zones, breached your walls, and to have understood each other a little bit more, become a little bit more vulnerable. And so a remedy will come in, whether that's a baby step remedy of that. So could I ask, can I make an ask, and do you feel like you'd be comfortable with just starting to be more cognizant of how you are around me in terms of this playful nature? You know, instead of restricting yourself, can we maybe spend a little time once a week, once every second week or so, depending on the nature of your relationship, I do not know. But spending some time in which we actively work on this, in which that we just go do something for fun for the sake of doing it for fun. Go go-karting, go throw each other in the ocean. It doesn't matter if it's winter, better if it's winter. Do that cold plunge, son. Do something for the sake of doing it, just for the fun of it. Having a check-in with each other once every week how you're moving along with this how you're processing this keep a keep a tap keep a finger on the tap here as to what's happening you know so all these little remedies can come about and you guys will organically feel what's best for each other but that will naturally come out now that's the best case scenario the worst case scenario is that she completely rejects it altogether and does not and her ego does not take a rest and that is certainly that could be the case for someone who's 40 years old yeah you're 32 she's 40 that could be the case and this first conversation may not be may have just scratched the surface of her egoic response and her egoic defense because 40 years is a long time and I don't think demisexuality is something that was new for her just yesterday. I don't know, of course, but it seems unlikely. Probability-based, she's probably been practicing this for a little bit of time. So I would not expect the best case scenario. In fact, I'd actually prepare for the worst case. Prepare for the worst case and always allow for the best case. So let's say worst case scenario is that she rejects everything that you say and that you're really reaching a stalemate here in which that she can't see how you're seeing and while you can see how she sees, she can't see that. So she thinks you're attacking her. You need to stand, stand firm as a masculine being. You need to set your boundaries and you need to set your what your expectations are. For I personally, as a masculine being from me to UX, could not operate in a relationship with a woman in which that she has restricted her sexual energy. In fact, prior to my current girlfriend, Haley, I'd been through a gauntlet of women that manifested very similar mentalities to what you're currently experiencing, but they didn't go quite as far as to label themselves as demisexual and to make an identity around it. It was just more of a subconscious thing, not conscious. And this is girls that have been traumatized, abused before, and I made so much content on dealing with girls and how to handle a girl best who has been through a lot of sexual trauma and how to be as empathetic as possible, have these conversations, foster and facilitate the process of healing, not fixing her, but allowing her to fix herself, heal herself, I should say. But never the masculine's role to fix someone. Never the role as a human being to fix someone. For we must all come to see the light ourselves. You cannot force the light into another's eyes, but you surely can shine your own, and hopefully that one day when they are ready, that they will choose to see. And that is the best you can do. So, in the worst case scenario, what you would need to do is affirm to her that, okay, Jenna, I absolutely hear everything that you're saying, and it seems that we are at a impasse, a bit of a stalemate here. So this is what I would like to do moving forward. I'd like to keep our relationship just as a friendship, because right, I obviously care for you. And when you feel ready to come closer in a sexual sense romantically that you're willing to let go of all yourself that I will be here to receive you I'm not going to force you into that position I don't want to force that healing or force that development upon you but when you feel ready the door will always be open 
and I see you. You leave it there, which is effectively you saying that I cannot operate in a romantic relationship with someone if the full connection of sexuality between physical, mental, and spiritual has not been ignited and connected. Can I, I can't operate within that. That's what you're saying. But you're saying in a way that's extremely empathetic, which is that the door will be open for you. You, you can come back when you're ready and we can reassess the situation. Now, it's implied that you're going to move on with your life because you have to. You can't waste your life waiting for someone else to heal. There are other people out there, ex, including yourself primarily, that need your love. And as you love yourself and you endeavor to give your love to others, so you'll find your place in this life. It is a tragedy to withhold your love because you are caught up waiting on someone else who is not yet ready to love. There are many people out there that need your love. Your friends, your family, people that you work with, the beings of this world. So do not fear. Do not fear. Do not come from a place of scarcity in which that you wouldn't have this conversation because you fear that you would not be able to find someone else. Focus on finding yourself, which is really a misnomer itself. Focus on creating yourself. And as you create yourself, you'll create opportunities in which that others who are simultaneously creating themselves will come into a co-creation with you. That's there for you. And as you enjoy this and diverge, sorry, divulge yourself into a process in which that it's a beautiful blossoming of brilliance of what a human can experience in this life, you will realize that as I do the best that I can, as I do as directly, congruently, authentically with empathy for this person in front of me, I will sleep well and that they may form a negative perception of me, but in time it will dissipate as they come to see that I always had the best intentions for them. Yeah. People may not like what you do or say, but as long as you do it with respect, you do it with that direct congruent authenticity with empathy, they will always respect your integrity. They may not like you. They may not like how you see you, how, they, how you see them or how you see the world, but they could never question your integrity because you're always honest and you're always direct and open. That is the situation that I see here. Okay. And the reason why this is not something that takes me much, well, it takes zero thought for me. It's just me just expressing my heart to you, X, is because, yeah, it's more of a shame and it would be more of a waste for you to spend the next two, three years hoping that this girl would just one day become more playful, this woman, sorry, would become more playful and fun with you and ignite those triggers of sexuality that you desire because, and by the way, that's very much not on the carnal level. I'm talking about that on a very spiritual level. So now we're getting to a much deeper conversation of what it means for the masculine and feminine energy to dance, to play with each other, as you would ask X, that it is fundamental to the relationship of masculine and feminine that they play. And to play is to push the boundary within those specters of physical, mental, and spiritual, right? To physically push each other around when you're walking down, as I was with my girlfriend on New Year's Eve, and you're walking down the street, you're pushing each other around, you're joking at each other, you're biting at each other, if not metaphorically, but literally as well, that you are engaging with the world as if it is a playground, that your relationship together is a team and that you are operating within a playground. And so that on this playground, you will test, tease, challenge, and that you will incite fun. You will incite energy, passion, right? romance. Like in order to create the fire of romance, there must be a spark. Right? And we spark by teasing, by testing, by challenging. We create spark by misdirection, by, by magic, Right, the, the, the relationship between masculine and feminine energy is magic. It is something that is a bewilderment. It is bewildering to the eye 
how two human beings become attracted, but it no doubt happens. And it happens in the most beautiful of ways. It happens in ways in which that science cannot yet describe that you cannot, even as a social dynamic coach as myself, that I cannot look at two human beings and say, that is exactly why that she is attracted to him. And that if I was to go and ask her, that what is it exactly that made you attracted and tell me the exact moment that that happened. She will give you estimates. She will give you approximations. She will give you clues. Oh, I loved his, his style. I love the way that he is so, like if you ask my girlfriend Haley, and I can't wait to get her on a podcast soon because I've asked her this, like when did you know you were attracted to me? And she goes, well, what was the first thing that you were attracted to me about? And she often states that and has stated to me several times now that it was your, it was your quirkiness. It was your weirdness. It was the, it was the way that you could just be an absolute dork. <laughs> the dorkiness, the weirdness, the funniness about you. Your ability to have fun with things. And then, of course, the physical comes in afterwards and then other things come in after that. But that is a subjective quality to be attracted to someone because of the way that they see the world and they have fun with it, right? Their humor, their funniness, their, their dorkiness, right? It's, you can't bottle that, is what I'm saying, X. You can't bottle that shit up and sell it. You can't bottle attraction and sell it. You, people, we get close as a materialistic society in 21st century. We get close by dressing ourselves in certain ways and by turning our bodies into certain projections and to doing certain activities, right? We, we, do, we do our best and by owning certain objects particularly, houses, cars, financial status, right? We do our best. But really, if that was the case, if that was the case, everyone would be in love. If the answer to the dance between masculine and feminine energy and if the answer to attraction was what you have, which is a nice house and a nice car and a nice watch, if that was the case, if that was the answer to falling in love, then anyone at any time could fall in love. Yet it remains that that is not the case. It also remains the case in the opposite, that people seemingly with none of those aforementioned attributes and or things, social status, financial status, still fall in love. That there are people in the rice paddies of Southeast Vietnam that still fall in love. That there are people within the South Pacific Islands that have no electricity. That I'm sure that there are people in the slums of India. That there are people up in the mountains of Nepal that still fall in love. Yet, without all of the aforementioned gratuities, all of the materialistic furnishings of this life, yet people still manage to form this thing we call love, which you can still not bottle up for me. Scientists are still yet to find the magical combination of neurobiological chemicals, whether it be oxytocin, dopamine, and serotonin, and to give me a, a, a so I can go down to Woolworths or Coles or 7-Eleven and to buy myself a bottle of love. Why is that not the case? Why can I not buy a bottle of, a bottle of love or a case of love? Why not? It's because there is still a spiritual element to it. And as I define spiritual, it is not complicated. It is that which cannot be described with words. That yes, while a man's body and, and a woman will certainly be attracted to a man's body and, and, and all of the other things that will come along with that in terms of, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, that yes, the biological mechanic of sexual attraction is there, but it is not all of it. It's certainly not all of it. 
It's certainly not all of what allows someone to fall in love. For if we knew that combination, it would be something that would be probably the most highly prized marketable item in the world to buy love, truly buy love. Yet we are not there. And so we come back to this conversation of the dance between masculine and feminine energy and why that is so important. Because the fun, the play of masculine and feminine energy is a segue, is a highway to love. If you cannot play with someone, you cannot fall in love. You may be able to deeply love someone. You can have deep care for someone. You can see the essence of their humanity. But to be in love with that person, which is that, again, elusive and ambiguous and undefinable, unbottleable concept, quality, which is to be in love with someone, whatever concoction of neurochemistry that is, that surely must be engaged through play and through fun. I cannot conceive of a situation in which a human being would fall in love with another if they could not have fun, if they could not. And what does that mean to have fun? What that means is to not take each other so seriously, which seems to be drilling to the heart of the issue here, X, in which that the reason why I gave you the remedy that I gave you is because you cannot persist in a relationship in which that there is no fun because you take each other too seriously. You said in your own message that the only things you guys operate on, the only level you operate on is on a deep level of seriousness, which of course would convey the ability and allow the ability for you to, to unpack the deep things of your life. Yet she's clearly not unpacking some things with you. There are some things that are removed from that. And that is what I would like you to understand about her if she was so willing. And if she was so willing, then you could open up a highway to fun and love. To to the playfulness of masculine and feminine energy. Like for example, a feminine being in that dance between masculine and feminine energy, particularly talking on energies here, because of course you can apply this to same sex relationships. It's not about the man versus woman thing. It's about masculine and feminine and whoever is most dominant within those energies. Because just a bit of a recap here, my belief is that as human beings, we possess a balance of both, yin and yang, light and dark, hot and cold, masculine and feminine. We possess we both we possess a proportion of each fire and water within of us within us if you're just going to attach fire to masculine and feminine as water just for today's argument's sake a typical man will have more proportion weighting towards fire and less towards his water but he will not have no water he will not have no sense for femininity in fact the principle of empathy is a very feminine idea in and of itself the creativity of art, music, electricity, uh, to be impulsive, to be creative, is very feminine itself. So a man may possess both, but will lean more towards one, and vice versa happens in feminine. Feminine being more weighted in her water than her fire, in terms of masculine energy being the fire. So, now that we have an understanding of that, there is a leadership and followership role within these dynamics of masculine and feminine energy. So how this plays in is that if we look at the masculine energy's role, first and foremost, first and foremost is leading. Looking at the feminine role, it is following. But please do not, and I'm always very careful to say this, do not get misaligned in thinking that the followership, that this is a hierarchical position, that the leader position is actually better than the followership. Absolutely not. They require each other. A leader is only as good and is only as excellent in his leadership as is the communication of feedback that comes from the follower. The leader cannot lead if the follower does not allow him to. In the same way that a follower cannot be the best follower and cannot be the best communicator of feedback if she does not trust in the leader, if she does not give a level of trust to that leader. 
So it is a symbiotic relationship that happens between masculine and feminine energy. It is not better or worse. It is not one dominating the other. Yes, there are aspects, I guess, within micro, if you want to look at sexuality, that domination can occur if you would encourage that. But not necessarily, right? Not necessarily. It just so happens, though, that within a within the sexual dynamic between masculine and feminine, that a feminine being often does enjoy a certain level of dominating, dominatorship, if you will. And don't get too insane with that. I'm not talking about chains and whips. It can very much be just a psychological of that he's taking control of me. That is a domination. That I will give myself to him. That is a domination. It doesn't have to be with this absurd Viking Fifty Shades of Grey-like way of going about it. You You don't have to get so insane about it. But then again, there are some women that love the whips and the chains and love the bondage and et cetera. No problem with that at all. Well, I don't have any particular problem with that. Anyways, we're building this conversation here. I'm talking to you about that pivotal role and that crucial role of play and fun within the masculine and feminine energy. On this, and I just need to finish up the leader and followership thing. If you understand that between leader and follower, in order to establish a relationship of leader and follower and masculine and feminine energy, there has to be a test. There has to be a challenge to see who sits more in the masculine energy and who sits more in the feminine energy. You would never find that out if there wasn't a tease, test, or challenge. If I didn't say to her, you know, for example, like you can tell, I don't want to give this to like a cold interaction because you're not in a cold interaction. But let's say you and your woman were walking out at the park and you decide you were just literally, you're walking past the lake and you're going down the park and you go to push her into the lake. It's a joke. And at the last second, you save her from falling into the water, but she genuinely thought she was going to fall into the water and you crack up laughing. And she gets a little bit riled up by that. She goes, like, you literally always push me into the lake. You're like, yeah, sometimes maybe you will push her into the lake if she hasn't got any digital devices on it, right? You see, I'm laughing about it as, I, as I'm thinking about it right now, right? Or that, uh, or for example, and reversing that, that the woman is going to hide behind a door while you walk inside the house and scare the absolute shit out of you. <laughs> As they jump out of the corner. Stupid things like this, stupid things, tease, tests, and challenges, right? This is how you establish the borders. You establish the boundaries. You establish who sits in what energy and how that person responds to it, right? Why does that feminine being try to throw you into the lake? Does she try to match your level of masculine energy? Or does she get uh, a little bit coy, a little bit shy, a little bit like fuck you type thing and kind of storms off in a bit of a <laughs> kind of thing, you know, it's a little bit more feminine there versus her literally trying to pick you up and double leg you into the water. That's definitely a lot more masculine response. You know, or for example, if you reverse it, if your girl tries to jump out from behind the door and scare the shit out of you and so do you literally try and get her back after that or do you become submissive as a result of that? You know, I think it goes on and on and on. This is the dance that I'm talking about, the funness of things and that. And this is you two operating within a fun space, testing each other. But you, as I said, you can be a team as well, that you team up against the world in a sense in which that you have fun with the world, that you go approach others, that you engage with the service people, the people working at the shops, and that you poke fun, poke jokes, play off of three. There's so many examples here that I'm trying to paint to you in which that builds into the fact that this is understanding who each other is. It's understanding your energy between hers and that love itself Romance, sexuality. It's a feedback system. It is very much a feedback system in the nerdiest of ways. It's an under, it's a, that is what is what it means to understand someone, is to gain feedback. And you will receive feedback on how well you're operating within that space. And I just don't see how any of that could be done, how any of that could be allowing you to move forward and closer together 
if she is not going to allow herself to be her full self with you. So I'm going to package that right there. I'm going to put that right there. I'm going to hear a summary on this podcast. When we're looking at, I'm not even sure what I told this podcast, probably demisexual and masculine energy funders or whatever. But what we're talking about here and what we've just discussed in this podcast, specifically for UX, is that it's very important to understand that from my point of view, that if you're coming up with someone who labels themselves as a demisexual, there is likely a hood and a hurt locker of pain that is yet to be resolved. It's a more of a coping mechanism to me than anything else, but it may be to such a degree in which that the coping mechanism has been so entrenched that it's now just their worldview, that they just genuinely, from the depths of their heart, and if you put a gun to their head, they would say, I cannot feel sexual attraction until I get close. Whatever close means which is, again, a problem with this framework, problem with this mentality. It's like, what arbitrary level is close? Is close Because effectively, they're going to make a decision at some point as to whether I'm going to allow myself to be attracted to you. And that's what I'm saying here. That's why I think my position is quite unassailable because all you have to do is just ask when. Like, when? Faced with someone like that, Please show the utmost levels of empathy as I've done in this podcast to have a conversation with them, to try and understand them the best that you can. Give them the feedback of how their behavior affects you and what you think the remedy moving forward would be. I go through those principles. Recognize if they don't have a good understanding of this, if you don't have a good understanding of this, recognize that our world is made up of sexual polarity between masculine and feminine energy and that a key component of that is the sparking of attraction, which must be done through fun and play. Human beings must play, children must play to learn, to understand each other, to gain feedback, the roles, the leadership role, the fellowship role, right? Sexuality itself, we haven't even talked about sex too much, but X, if you, if you hope to have powerful, powerful sexual experiences that lead through penetration to a dissolution of self and time into which that you have joined an eternal concept, an eternal idea in which that I'm no longer me, she's no longer her, but we are one that we are one in this life. How do you think you would ever get to that if you don't know how to play together? Because surely the paths to that heaven, the road to that heaven is laid with fun, laid with joy. Yes, laid with deep, deep understanding of each other. Yes, deep vulnerability. Yes, deep emotional bond and deep, deep emotional connection. Absolutely. But you cannot eliminate the fun. You cannot eliminate the play between masculine and feminine energy. And so I wish you the absolute best in navigating the situation with women. I know that it took me a long time to get to this. It's mostly because we were crossing over the Christmas, New Year's period. But we're back in here full steam ahead. And I really appreciate you reaching out. And to all of you as well, thank you so much. And wishing you all an amazing year ahead. And of course, from my heart to yours, all the love, peace, and joy. Ciao. And that brings me to my thanks for all of you. Thank you, first off, for just being here, your presence. But please let me know. Let me know in a comment down below where you are in your lives, how you felt about this, any commentary. I'll do my best to get back as soon as I possibly can. And also, if you did enjoy the content, please hit the thumbs up on the YouTube video. It just helps it get sent out to more people in the community. And if you feel like this would resonate with someone else, please share it to some of your close friends. If you would like to dive into one-on-one coaching, that's all available on boldojo.com guided meditation, free resources of wisdom, free weekly on my newsletter, bowl sip, just chuck your email in, comes out every Friday. That's all available, all the links down below. And if you would like to support the podcast directly, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link down below 
or on the website, balldojo.com, in the podcast section. Anything that you guys give is always super appreciated. So thank you very much. Wishing you all the love, peace, and joy in this life. 